claim to be the man of a thousand holes, but I counted, and you know about 60, but I know a thousand and four, and I wrote them all down. Here we go. Hold one, arm drag. Hold two, arm bar. Hold three, the moss covered, three handle family credential. I'm not sure what the f this is. I'm about to find out. This is Talk Hand Audio. What's going on, everybody? Welcome inside episode 1004 of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. My name is Matt Robinson. Happy to be back with you as we kickstart another week, as we wind down and one of the final weekends of the summer. Uh, 1004 here makes me laugh a little bit. Some of you old wrestling fans will remember uh, Dean Malenko, the man of a thousand holds, running a, uh, a feud with, uh, at the time, a very young Chris Jericho who of course, needed to one-up Mr. Malenko, calling himself the man of 1,004 holds. Uh, that's what this is, the uh, the pod of 1,004 episodes, I suppose. Uh, like I said, winding down one of the last weekends of the summer, we got just one left before Labor Day. I was kind of kicking this around the other day with somebody, and it's it sort of, it's weird how it stays with you. It's been a very long time since I've been in school, but Labor Day still kind of feels like this. Uh, I don't know, like turn the page or like something's looming, not, not dissimilar to New Year's Eve almost. And it's obviously because all the way through your formative years, um, Labor Day was the end of summer. It was back to school. Obviously the seasons start to change. It cools off everything, but you know, either you're going back to school, maybe you're heading off to a different school or high school, then it's college, all these sorts of things. It's always on Labor Day. And it sort of feels like the end of one chapter and, and the beginning of another one. And so even when you are, you know, far past that and it's just going to be another Monday, another Tuesday, I don't know. It still kind of feels like Labor Day looms large, maybe uh, maybe more than some long weekends. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Let me know what you uh, you think. You can do so at Talkin Audio on Twitter and Instagram. We love to hear what you guys have to, uh, to say about these. Uh, we got a beer today, of course. This is the uh, Loch Ness Lager from the uh, Expedition Brewing Company. Uh, I'd never heard of the uh, Expedition Brewing Company, so I did a quick search. They are, I guess, a, a contract brewer out of Newmarket, so I don't know if they're just new and getting started or if this is all they're uh, planning to be. Um, but yeah, new brewery, I guess, for us here, uh, something we haven't tried before. On uh, On first pull on this... I don't know, not not loving it. it. It's got like a, I don't know, like a Keith's or something pull to it. Something I'm not really enjoying. Like it's it's obviously coming in, supposed to be a lager, 5%. There's nothing crazy supposed to be happening here, but I don't know. Even as far as a, a lager goes, this isn't uh, something I'm particularly enjoying. On first pull, sometimes they improve as we go. We'll see here. I uh, hope you all had a great weekend. Uh, shout out to everybody who took in Pride, which uh, I know was going on in uh, in Ottawa this weekend and and in a few other communities across North America. I was seeing uh, different uh, photos and videos and stuff like that and uh, looked like everyone was having a good time. Lots going on in Ottawa around Pride, not just the parade on Sunday, but lots of other events and things as well happening. And uh, nice to see, to be honest with you, tip of the cap to the senators who put uh, who participated in the parade this year. Not something we have historically seen from them. I don't want to read anything into that, just whether or not they weren't reaching out into the community or um, as much as they should be, or whether or not it was a, a view of this 
event in particular or, or what was happening, they, they never were particularly uh, inviting or uh, didn't usually want to get involved with this cause, but they did participate this time, which was awesome to see. So good for them. And if you were taking part, hope you enjoyed it. Um, it looked for the most part like everything stayed peaceful, right? Everyone was uh, was just there to have a good time. Sometimes with this sort of event, you run into the douchebags that uh, like to fuck everything up for everybody. That, at least from what I saw, didn't appear to be the case, which is awesome. Uh, hope everybody enjoyed that. Uh, what I did not enjoy this weekend, your Toronto Blue Jays dropped three in a row to the just brutal Los Angeles uh, Angels. Uh, coming back from what was a pretty encouraging road trip. Taking three out of four from the Yankees, sweeping the Red Sox. You're feeling pretty good after the last homestand was a bit of a dud, right? You're kind of going, all right, like maybe we're back on track here. And of course, they come home and give a bunch of it right back. And they are in the thick of it. I I honestly felt like most of the season, like when things were going fine, and obviously for quite a while, they held down the top wildcard spot. And I sort of just assumed, to be honest with you, that's where they'd finish. To me, they were the third best team in the AL behind the Astros and the Yankees. And it was just going to be a question of getting things lined up, getting things going, and that's where they would land. And they are absolutely in the mud now. And they're still in a playoff spot, don't get me wrong, but they are right there with everybody else. And there is no guarantee that you're going to finish with that top wildcard spot, get a home game out of this, these sorts of things, right? Like... You're going to have to be very good down the stretch just to get in now. And I do still believe they will get in, but I am far, far, far less convinced that it will be as the home team with that top wildcard spot. I think that is now very, very much in jeopardy. And it just sort of, I don't know, it continues with this team, like this maddening inconsistency. And again, it's hard because the season's 162 games long and you don't want to read too much into a three-game sweep at the hands of the Angels. It happens. And you shouldn't be reading too much into, you know, taking three to four from the Yankees or sweeping the Red Sox. It happens. But it's been consistently inconsistent, if I can use that tired old cliche or that tired old phrase. This has sort of been the year, and it has been more good than bad, as evidenced by the fact that you are in a playoff spot. But they've just never gotten everything going at the same time. And this time, like, I don't know, we were getting to a point where I was relieved to see Ross Stripling taking the hill Sunday afternoon. He's become our stopper, I guess, based on how all this has gone. Like, Manoa was fine, too. There continues to be some warning signs there. He has pitched more innings, we know, than he has in any other season. And, you know, there is reason to believe fatigue might be becoming a factor, although throughout that game, his... uh, Um, his velocity was kind of trending upwards, which is interesting, and it happens with him sometimes, which is, uh, I don't know, unique with some of these guys. Uh, But he's pitching against Otani. That was always going to be a very tight game, a very tough game. But coming home and getting absolutely pumped on the Friday night, that can't happen, even if you are. I I know they were all over it on the broadcast. It didn't get in until 4 a.m., and fine. Like, maybe that's something. But then you better get it going the rest of the weekend, and they just never did. And, like, Stripling was was largely fine again on Sunday. But they start getting whacked around a bit in the in the later innings, and, and there just doesn't appear to be any urgency at the plate. Um, there's some shitty base running mistakes. I don't know what they're doing with Teoscar Hernandez. If his foot is banged up then to the point where he can't run the bases or he can't get back and make a 
pretty routine catch in right field, then sit him the fuck down. Like I, I, I there's just been some weird decisions again. And, and again, I, I keep harping on this. Like you have to be reasonable. You can't let three games read too much, you know, you, you know, form too much of your opinion, but it's not just three games. It's three games. And the last homestand kind of sandwiched around this kind of bright spot that they went. So which one is the real blue Jays right now? And I just don't think we know. Was it the good team that went on the road or this bad team at home? It's obviously somewhere in the middle, and I know that's the cop-out answer, but this has become so frustrating to watch, right? And I get it. I get why fans are getting so upset and so frustrated. Um, it, it's hard not to be, right? This team has so much talent, so much potential. You're seeing Vlad look an awful lot like 2020 Vlad in terms of how many balls he is just pounding into the ground instead of getting underneath them like he did in 2021 when he was arguably the MVP of the league. Um, you know, he's regressed a little bit in terms of how that uh, that launch angle is playing out for him, which is problematic as well. And we are at a point in the season, you know, as I said a few minutes ago, Labor Day looms. Uh, only a few weeks left in the season, five or six weeks to go. It's less and less about turning it around and figuring it out. Like this might just be what this team is this year when you're this deep into the season. But how can you get by with that? Okay, this is what we have this year. What do we do with it? How do we, you know, how do we make that work through this final stretch and into the playoffs and and do as as well as you can and, and, you know, with what this season clearly is? It kind of looks like maybe we uh, overestimated just a little what this team was coming into this season. And uh, that happens, right? Guys underperform a little bit or guys regress a little bit. And suddenly your uh, your predictions uh, don't look like what you uh, quite what you envisioned at the beginning of the season. So a disappointing weekend for the Blue Jays. I want to talk a little bit more about the Jays in just a little while and uh, everything that they did on Saturday with the uh, the 30th anniversary of the 1992 World Series team and the the ceremony they had there. Uh, but it has been a busy weekend. There was a lot going on this weekend. And certainly one thing that was getting attention over the course of the weekend was it was uh, Nazem Kadri's day with the cup. Of course, everybody who's uh, on a championship winning team, uh, I've heard, I've never cheered for for one of those, um, gets 24 hours, like I said, with the Stanley Cup. And so uh, Nas had his this weekend and uh, it made a couple different stops. We heard beforehand it was going to be in London and it was going to be in Toronto, which uh, which made sense. We'll get to that in just a second. Um, it was kind of cool to see how many people rallied around Kadri for this, right? He had a bit of a a weird relationship with Leaf fans by the time he left Toronto. Two straight playoff series where he finds a way to have himself removed from the proceedings. And certainly in that second one, the big deal, right? The big factor was supposed to be Toronto's big three centers with Matthews, Tavares, Kadri down the middle and how no one was going to be able to match that. And we never got a chance to find out. Obviously, Bergeron and 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 Krejci, you know, is a, a tremendous uh, one-two punch, and, and the Bruins were, were going to be a tough out no matter what. But Kadri, for the second straight year, goes and gets himself uh, thrown out and suspended for the rest of the series. That had happened a year earlier as well, and in that one, it was at least a set number of games, and he found himself uh, thrown out for uh, what ended up being the rest of the Leafs playoffs. In the second time around, I don't know, a lot of people seem to have a problem with it. I really didn't, um, that the league said the suspension wasn't going to be a set number of games. It was going to be for the rest of the series. 
And to me, there's logic in that. You have injured one of their players, right? Um, the team that you are playing against has been affected by your actions. And so whether or not you go on to win or lose the series, they are going to be without their guy. So you're going to be without your guy. And, and that goes into a bunch of different ways. You can look at suspensions, right? I think a lot of people are uncomfortable in a general sense with, um, you know, you're suspended for as long as your victim is injured because you can see some weird shit where, you know, somebody's top defenseman injures a fourth line winger and the other team's just like, fine, we'll leave our winger out and you'll be without your, uh, your defenseman. There's some competitive balance things that happen there. I'm not all in on that. But I think in a situation like what Kadri found himself in against the Bruins again for the rest of a playoff series, there was nothing wrong with saying, yeah, for as long as this series goes, you're done. And uh, we'll see you again either in the next round if your team makes it through without you or more likely next season when they don't. And they didn't. And the relationship was damaged between Kadri and the team and with certain sections of the fan base. And I would probably include myself in that. Um, for two straight years at a time where the Leafs needed Kadri badly, he wasn't available. And we started to hear that he was, you know, maybe going to be shopped around a bit. It, it ends up being that on a free agent frenzy opening there on July 1st, he gets traded to, uh, to Colorado. And I guess already earlier in the off season, they had offered him to Calgary And uh, for TJ Brody, who would, of course, end up in Toronto later on anyway as a free agent signing. But Kadri nixed that deal. So, no, I'm not going to Calgary. And he's now also ended up in Calgary. So it is kind of funny that both of the guys that were going to be involved in that trade ended up in those cities anyway. Brody in Toronto and uh, and Kadri in uh, in Calgary. And Kadri has gone on to say since signing in Calgary, it had nothing to do with Calgary or the Flames. I didn't want to leave Toronto. And I thought if I nixed that trade, I had a 10 team, no trade list, whatever it was. Um, you know, I would increase my odds, obviously, of staying in Toronto. And Dubas wasn't having it. He felt he needed help on the blue line. That's why, obviously, he was looking at Brody from the Flames. And uh, when he ends up making the uh, the deal with Colorado, uh, Tyson Berry is the big piece of that. Obviously, also Kerfoot comes along as you know, performed admirably for the Leafs as well. The Barry thing didn't really work out, but that's what he was looking for at the time. But that relationship was damaged. Uh, They didn't trust him anymore. And, you know, if they were going to move forward, they needed to know that the guys that were there were going to be there when, uh, when push came to shove. And so there were two things at play. They needed to upgrade the defense and Kadri was a key piece in doing that on a sweet contract. And uh, so that was one part of it. But another part of it certainly was that they just didn't trust him anymore. And uh, Kadri made note of that uh, after Colorado won the cup. What do you want to say to all those fans out there that have stuck with you and wanted to see you have this moment? I love you guys. I love you guys. That's all, uh, that's all there is to be said. I mean, I've had supporters in my corner from day one, never wavered. And, uh, you know, for everyone that thought I was a liability in the playoffs, you kiss my ass. <laughs> And that's Nas. That's one of the things you love about him, right? He shoots from the hip, and I I had no problem with him saying that. I'm sure Dubas didn't love it, whether it was directed at him or the media, probably both. 
uh, some members of the fan base, no doubt. Uh, yeah, he's well within his rights to do that. But it's it sure seemed like a lot of the fan base still loved Kadri and were cheering pretty hard for him to make it back from injury and, and to be able to perform in the Stanley Cup final, which he did uh, and played pretty well. So he gets his day with the cup and there's a lot of Leaf fans that were incredibly excited for him. And he was, he had gone out of his way to say, yeah, the cup's going to come to Toronto. That's, there was a lot of people, your, your Steve Simmons types, no different than when Kessel brought the cup to Toronto and ate hot dogs out of it. Uh, God love him. Look, these guys spend a huge part of their young adult life here. I don't think either one of them brought the cup to Toronto to rub Toronto's nose in it. A huge portion of Leaf fans still love Phil Kessel. A huge portion of Leaf fans still love Nazem Kadri. And I do believe both of those guys probably have some ill will towards the management group and the organization, and that's fair enough. But I also believe both of those guys kind of recognize that that they still are are loved in in Toronto. And uh, so I didn't read anything into the fact that uh, the Kadri wanted to bring the cup to Toronto. He did say in one interview that uh, some of the Leaf players that he remained buds with were going to be invited to a private party on the on the Saturday night. He didn't name any names. I'm sure they will end up out there. Social media being what it is, it'll get floated around. Um, but he's still friends with a lot of these guys. And even guys that aren't on the team or people who aren't on the team, this is where he grew up. Whether it be in London and later on as a Leaf and as a Marley, you make friends. This is part of where your life, you know, huge parts of his life were spent here. He was going to want to spend some of his time with the Cup in Toronto. That doesn't surprise me at all. And anyone trying to take joy in the idea that he's trying to rub it in, in MLSE's face or whatever. Maybe there's a small part of that, but I, I just don't think that was a big piece of it. The thing I did want to touch on before moving off of this, and it was cool to see Nas carrying around the Cup, was earlier in the day on Saturday, he's down in London, and uh, for the first time ever, the Stanley Cup goes to a mosque. Um, Nazem Kadri is the first ever Muslim player to win a Stanley Cup. And it was important to him and his family, clearly, to take this to, uh, to a mosque in his hometown and, and share this with that part of his community, with that part of his life. This was obviously something he wanted to do. And I want to read a tweet here. It's always a dangerous idea to look in the replies. But there were numerous outlets reporting on, as there always is, both in sports and, and not. Here's where the cup is today, right? Here's what people are doing with the Stanley Cup. When when it comes to a hometown, there are cameras around from the local press, from hockey media types, just from fans posting on uh, on social media. So I have a tweet here that I want to read. I don't want to give you the guy's name because he's clearly trying to be an asshole. And so uh, I don't really want to give him any attention. So for argument's sake, let's say his name is Giant Douche. And Giant Douche uh, is the very first reply under one of these uh, tweets that shows uh, a video of, of Kadri arriving at, uh, at the mosque with uh, the Stanley Cup. Somehow he was uh, first in to get his reply. Giant Douche was right on the button. He was clearly waiting for this. And I've never met Giant Douche. Uh, I hope I never do. 
because uh, he seems like kind of a giant douche. I'm going to do my best imitation of what I assume giant douche sounds like. But like I said, I've, I haven't yet met giant douche. Uh, so here's giant douche's tweet. No one would celebrate the cup going to a church. I hope I did giant douche justice. Uh, Even if I want to accept the premise of Giant Douche's tweet, which again was, Nobody would celebrate the cup going to a church. If I accept your premise, no one would question it either. Look, some people are religious, some aren't. If the church, if the giant man in the sky is, is important to you, no matter which giant man in the sky it is, um, then by all means, if that's part of your community, if that's where the people you love gather every week, then that's where you would take the cup and uh, no one would question it. It's just something people do. In fact, just last week, Andrew Cogliano, also a member of the Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche, took it to his church, and it was in the news. People did report on it. There were pictures everywhere, because there always is. And no one questioned it, because obviously the church is important to Andrew Cogliano. Power to you. It baffles me that there is always one of these guys, and usually more than one, There's always a giant douche. It blows my mind that we still have to explain these things. The cup has been to dozens, if not hundreds, of churches over its lifetime. It has never been to a mosque before. That's why it's noteworthy. Maybe next year it'll go to space. I don't know. It was noteworthy the first time it went to Russia. It was noteworthy the first time it, you know, it was important to Nas to take this and share it with his community. It was an interesting footnote. And if we want to grow the game, if we want to do the, you know, if you can see it, you can be it thing, then it's important to let kids who look like Nazem Kadri see that people who look like Nazem Kadri can win a fucking Stanley Cup. And so do I particularly care about anyone's religion, whether it be in a church or a mosque or a synagogue or whatever? No, I don't. That's not important to me. But it's also not important to me to show up in the replies and be the first guy to go, ah, you wouldn't do this if it was my religion. First of all, yeah, they would. But second of all, who gives a shit because your religion's seen it done a thousand times. There's just always one of these people. It's exasperating. It's exhausting. There's a phrase, I I believe it's Steve Dangle, I've heard use it. I don't know if it's his originally or where he picked it up. You don't have to yuck somebody's yum. And that always makes me laugh because it could apply to (laughs) a million different things and some of them creepier than others. But just because you think something either sucks on a, you know, if you're particularly passionate about it, or just isn't important, doesn't mean it isn't to somebody else. And you don't have to be the first guy in to go, nah, sucks. (sighs) Okay. 
Nazem Kadri wanted to spend an hour with the Stanley Cup at a place that was important to him. And someone, of course, had to show up, giant douche, and try and point out why it wasn't important or why it wasn't noteworthy. I don't know. These people make me fucking crazy. Shout out to Nas. Hope he enjoyed his time in London. After it left the mosque, he went to a public park where, uh, you know, a bunch of friends and family, other uh, people who, who just cheered him on with the London Knights or, or people who knew him growing up there all gathered. That was awesome. And then, yeah, took the cup into Toronto for uh, for Saturday night. No doubt that was a blast as well. And I have no doubt if you are one of those types who cares enough, you can, uh, uh, I don't know, you can search for it on social media, probably find pictures of some of your favorite hockey players looking a little rosy-cheeked and and having a good time and, and probably find giant douche in the replies. I, I don't know. Maybe he took it to a nightclub. Oh, no one would celebrate if he took it to a pub. Or something. I don't know. Saturday was busy, uh, if you're a Toronto sports fan, as uh, the Blue Jays also celebrated 30 years since the 1992 uh, World Series. Almost called it the Stanley Cup. Got the cup on the mind, but uh, no doubt Giant Douche would be in my replies right away pointing out that Toronto obviously hasn't won a cup in much longer than uh, since 92. Look, I'm not normally one for a lot of these ceremonies, specifically around the Blue Jays, and honestly, I think a lot of it is because it's a little too much celebrating mediocrity. Um, And that's funny to say, I don't love the Leaf ones either. Obviously, they go back a lot longer since uh, winning a championship. The Jays are not the uh, poster of mediocrity in Toronto. I am aware of that. There is another franchise uh, with slightly longer uh, distance between themselves and a championship. But we do this a lot and probably because it's still more recent. Like, I I think one of the reasons I don't get excited to hear that we're going to celebrate the 92 and 93 World Series teams is because I remember when we celebrated their 10th anniversary in 02 and 03. I can clearly remember when we celebrated the 20th anniversary in 12 and 13 the 25th anniversaries in 17 and 18. And I'm not saying you shouldn't celebrate them. I just get less and less excited every time. We just haven't had any other success since then. So obviously we're going to keep trotting all these guys out there. And hey, look, there's Joe Carter again, um, you know, in between commercials for whatever that rheumatoid arthritis medication was. He was peddling for a long time. Um, I, I just, I'm sort of over it. And those are great teams, but we've celebrated them a bunch. And I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying I don't really care anymore. I wasn't even going to watch the Saturday ceremony this time. I assumed it would be just much of the same. But there were some names. Dave Winfield isn't always around. He was a big star. It was the whole Winfield wants noise thing that uh, that he's remembered for. I ended up watching it. And if I'm being honest, I thought they nailed it. I thought the whole ceremony was really good. And we saw Winfield, right? We saw Carter. We saw Dave Steeb, who back in the day was was a little prickly. And I was kind of laughing to myself because later on in the broadcast, in the third inning, he was uh, in the booth with, uh, with Dan Schulman and Buck Martinez. And I thought, that guy's voice is a dead ringer for Brock Lesnar. 
And I have no idea whether anybody else would have agreed with that or not. But uh, personality-wise, kind of comparable too. But uh, yeah, Dave Steves st- sounded exactly like uh, like Brock Lesnar. But the ceremony was really good. And to have Dave Winfield come out with a microphone and say, you know, again, you know, obviously he's going to hit his line. Hey, Toronto, Dave Winfield wants noise. And the crowd gave it to him. It was a sold out crowd. 45,000 people that gave away these bomber jackets that everybody wore in the early 90s. That was kind of a, a nice touch. Uh, if you were one of the first however many thousand to arrive, not only did you get the bomber jacket, you could get a wristband to go down on the field after the game and get autographs from a bunch of these guys. And there was a bunch of them in studio. Or, in studio. Uh, in-house. You know, Paul Beeston was there. That was cool. Cito Gaston got a really nice ovation coming out as the, the former manager. Everybody loves Joe Carter. He's around Toronto often enough when there's fundraisers and golf tournaments and things like that. The Consmite dinner over the years. Um, he shows up. But Dave Steeb is one of those guys that doesn't always show up. He's got a reputation for being kind of prickly and, and not always loving this. It was cool to see him be honored uh, and be a part of this and, and be on the broadcast as well, right? I, I thought a lot of this was really well done. One of the things that made me laugh, and I guess it's part of the world we live in now, is I think there was about a dozen members of the team, which means obviously there was a lot of guys that weren't there, but they sent their their video packages, right? As, as often they do. Here's a compilation of the guys who couldn't be here sending their best wishes. So you're seeing GM Pat Gillick, right? You see uh, Ed Sprague, or as we, my friends called him as kids, Ed Sprague, just the spelling. We thought that was clever at the time, Sprague. Um... You know, Ed Sprague, Tom Hankey, you know, there's a bunch of these guys, David Cohn. People forget what a huge acquisition that was. David Cohn. The team's doing fine, and they were contenders again in 92. They had been for like five years at that point. If you go and get David Cohn that late in the season, it supercharged everything. Uh, He sends in one of these video packages. And like I said, it's just, I guess, kind of the world we live in now. I'm sitting here, scratching my head, watching these going, hmm. I wonder which of these guys are not here just because they're not vaccinated. Can't cross the border. And that's unfair because anytime you have a ceremony like this, you're never going to have everyone who was on the 40-man roster make it. Some guys got stuff to do. Some guys just aren't that interested. Some of them are getting kind of old and don't feel like traveling or whatever. But in this day and age, I don't know. I'm looking at uh, looking at some of these guys, some of these old country boys that have sent their video up. There's no way that guy's vaccinated. There's a reason. <laughs> There's a reason he's not here. Um, and like I said, not really important. Did not take away from the day or the ceremony at all. But it just made me laugh that that's where your mind goes now, right? Or at least mine does when you're watching this thing going, ah, I bet that guy just couldn't cross the fucking border. Look at him. Uh, Maybe a little unfair, like I said. One of the other things I thought was cool from the ceremony uh, was Ann Murray. I had forgotten um, that in game three, the first ever World Series game played outside the United States. Obviously, first World Series game to be played in Canada. 
Ann Murray was brought in to, uh, to sing the national anthem. And so in the stadium live, uh, they had somebody sing the American national anthem. And then up on the video board and on the sound system, they played Ann Murray's um, rendition of O Canada from that day. which was really cool. And I was thinking to myself, like, would it have been better to have her come in and do it? I have no idea what kind of shape Anne Marie's in, if she's still out there singing and touring, and if that's her deal still or not, I have no idea. But assuming that she's still able to do that, what's the, the cooler touch to have her come and do it again or to play that original rendition that she did back in 92. And honestly, I think, I think playing that one, if we're celebrating that occasion and going all the way back to that time, it wouldn't have taken away from it if you did just had her come and do it live. But there was something kind of cool about just playing that version again and showing that. It was kind of neat. Uh, I like that. Um, I thought it was a, a brilliant touch, a, a nice way to, to add on to, honestly, what was a far more entertaining or, or interesting ceremony than I expected it to be. Like I said, I'm not normally into these things. Certainly with this group, I'm just sort of over it. Um, but uh, it was much better than I thought. I assume we're doing it again next August, 30 years since the 93 winning team, which did see some turnover. There are some other names. There are some other guys that were on that team that uh, weren't on this one. But a year later, we're, we're doing the same thing again. I don't know. I, like I said, maybe uh, they can pique my interest again. But this one was done pretty much perfectly. And uh, I'm not sure what they can do next year to uh, to up that or to keep me interested. And Murray, though, yeah, pops up pretty often when you're talking about uh, Toronto sports. I'm not sure how many remember. Uh, Anne Murray sang the Maple Leaf Forever at uh, the closing of Maple Leaf Gardens in 1999, just a few years after uh, after this performance. Long may it wait and bring Blue skies and stormy weather Within my heart, above my home The maple leaf forever Ladies and gentlemen, last minute of play And I always thought that was really well done Even in 99 when I barely knew who Anne Marie was And certainly... Uh, not a huge fan of, of her style of music. I thought she did an awesome job with that performance. And um, it, it fit, right? It was kind of a somber occasion. They were bringing out all the legends and um, people had stuck around after the game for this big ceremony. And then Anne Marie comes out and, and sings um, the Maple Leaf forever. And Paul Morris, obviously the voice of, uh, you know, the in-house announcer, uh, for Maple Leaf Gardens for all those years 
you know, announces last minute of play and all these, it was just well done. And honestly, I wondered for years later, if there wasn't more to be done with that song, maybe not necessarily with her version, although maybe you could, it depends, right? Cause it's not, I mean, we're talking about a team that's currently using Hall and Oates and I love the goal song. Um, you know, they have Maxime Nightingale and that uh, song from, uh, from Slapshot they use now as a victory song. They've used Heave Away as a victory song. They're using Hall and Oates as a goal song. They're clearly not that worried about being hip and modern. So you could maybe get away with having Ann Murray have come in and do something, you know, studio quality and put something together. Even if you'd had someone else do it and give the song a little more pace, a little more life, like maybe that could have become some sort of anthem for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I always thought there was maybe something more there that uh, that they missed out on uh, that, that could have been done with it, but uh, obviously they never uh, never had much interest. Although later on, I don't know, 2010, 11, remember Sportsnet tried to, what was it called, like, Dare to be free or to be free. This Maple Leaf anthem that Sportsnet tried to shove down our throats for a season or two. It was awful. (laughs) Just terrible. I'm not sure if uh, non-Leaf fans will even remember this thing. Because I think it was mostly on just regional games that Sportsnet had. And at the beginning of the broadcast, they would play this. Ugh, this terrible, uh, terrible song. And the only redeeming thing about it, and I love this, is that the rest of the country would have hated it had they been because the whole thing is that this is Canada's team and they're naming communities from Victoria to Newfoundland and like just sweeping in everybody and just whatever. Nobody cares about the flames or the Habs or whoever. Um, just jamming it down your throat that this is Canada's team. I could care less, but it, it you know that that would have absolutely grinded the gears of any non-Leaf fan hearing it uh, going, fuck this Canada's team stuff that they already hate, that they already hear too much. Um, that part of it, slightly redeeming. Otherwise, just a terrible, terrible song. And like I said, it only lasted at most two seasons. It might only have been one. And Sportsnet eventually got the hint that like everybody hates this. It's it's terrible. Uh, yeah. So there it is. Episode 1004 of the Talk and Audio podcast. As always, we got more to come. More, uh, you know, more of your usual co-hosts in studio, uh, more guests, uh, plenty more to come as we also race towards the beginning of the NFL season. We're going to want to get into that a little bit. Obviously, we have to uh, tee up hockey just around the corner as well. That is one thing about Labor Day. 
you know, you're you're into rookie camps, right? You're into rookie tournaments, and you you can almost smell the beginning of training camp. Uh, so that is on the horizon as well as things start to pick up again. The baseball home stretch, uh, lots of good stuff to continue to come. So we will talk to you later on in the week. Don't forget to give us a follow on social media at Talkin Audio. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you're hearing us right now. For now, my name is Matt Robinson. Thank you all for listening. We'll catch you all later. Uh-huh.